Hello and welcome to Total Recall ASM 19 on the Word on the Go podcast. Throughout this series we're going to be bringing you all the talks and seminars from this year's festival. We hope you enjoy. Father, I just pray for, for Tim right now. I pray that um, what he'll be saying to us now, every single person in this tent will be impacted by the, the words he's going to speak from, from your Bible, Lord God. I pray that you would uh, prepare our hearts, open our ears for what's to be said. Mm. I thank you so much for, for bringing him to us here this morning, from all the way from California, and for that safe journey. Lord God, I pray that you would just bless him for the work he's doing here uh, at Summer Madness in Glen Arm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Friends, it's uh, so good um, to be with you. I'm just aware of how many Americans there are here. So I didn't quite um, expect that. Did I get a whoop? <laughs> Although I realized that I thought Trey was the one with the accent. He's from a very different part of the United States. Well, the great American philosopher Mike Tyson uh, once said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Great words of wisdom. And when I was about 16 years old, my plan, my worldview, the way that I was living my life, essentially got punched in the mouth. I had a group of of friends, and as many of the kids did uh, my age in in the area in which I grew up, the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, unlike some of the stories that we heard Trey share, um, I'm from a very non-religious part um, of the United States. I don't think I had a single friend that would claim any kind of faith or, or Christianity. And we got into lots of trouble. We did drugs. We did all that kind of crazy stuff. But when I was about 16, something really tragic happened to my friend Shane Doyle. He one night took too many drugs, and he fell out of a 10-story building, and he died. We actually didn't know it because he went missing for a long time, and it wasn't until months later that we discovered what had happened. And at the time when we found out, nobody had really arranged any kind of a, a funeral-type service. So my friends and I did what we thought would be best, and we gathered in a, in a local park. We got in a big circle, and we went around, and we just began to share our experiences about Shane and, and what we thought about everything and, and how we were feeling. And at the time, I was not a Christian, and I realized as Me and my friends were going around in that circle sharing about what we thought of Shane. I I realized that some of my friends began to speculate. They began to, to talk about where they thought Shane might be. They said, well, he's he's become one with the universe. One of my friends said, he's in a better place. And it went all the way around to the circle until it got to me. And I literally had no idea what to say. Because the whole time I was thinking, we don't know what we're talking about. We have no idea what we were talking about. And I remember in that moment thinking, where is my faith? And where are my friends? It was a crisis for me. Fast forward a few years later, uh, I eventually became um, a Christian. My life was totally changed. And it wasn't too long after that that there was another death in my life, but this time it was my father. My father suffered from the time that that I was um, young. He had a lot of illnesses. 
And over the years, we just watched him grow kind of worse and worse and worse. And, and it wasn't too long after I'd become a Christian that, that he eventually died. I was actually asked to do the, the funeral service, the first funeral service I ever did. But I remember on that day, it was completely different. We gathered in this little church and some of my old friends were there and they had heard about what had happened to me. They had heard about how I had become a Christian. They told me I was insane and crazy. It was almost like, I remember calling up my friends, telling them I was, became a Christian and it was almost as if I was telling them I had a disease. Have you ever had that happen? Like, I've become a Christian. Like, you what? Like, are you okay? And yet some of my, my friends were there, but, but this time everything had changed since the last time we were surrounded in this topic of death because this time I had something to say. So I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe the tomb is empty. And I believe that there is a message to tell. And I remember when my father died, one of the first people to call me was my dear friend, Britt Merrick. Britt was the first one to call me. He's a Christian friend and he's been a friend to me to this very day, 20 years later, and we have been through everything. We have been through absolutely everything. The reason I share that today is because I want to talk for a few moments about friendship. In fact, it seems as if our, our time together is kind of going in this direction, talking about our relationship with God. But this morning, I want to turn a corner and talk about the ways in which that relationship with God actually changes the relationships that we have with one another. Because, friends, let, let me tell you, I believe that for you not only to survive in this world, but to thrive, you need more than acquaintances, you need more than classmates, you need more than teammates and fans. I don't know if any of you have fans, some of you might. You need more than just neighbors, you need friends. You need friends. Mother Teresa, who many of you would know, she spent a lifetime working amongst the poor and destitute and, and sick of, of India but I was struck by something that she said. She said, in all my experience, I've noticed this. The worst disease was not AIDS. The worst disease was not leprosy. The worst disease is loneliness. Remarkable words from this woman. And I suppose that one of the reasons for that loneliness that many have experienced, the, the loneliness that perhaps some of us have experienced is that friendship at times has been undervalued and unappreciated. And I suppose there's a lot of reasons for that. I just wanna give you a few reasons that, that I think friendship has been devalued in our Western culture. And I think one of those reasons that friendships have been underestimated and undervalued is because many of us have come to believe this idea that for relationships to be deep and meaningful, they must be romantic. Can we talk about this? <laughs> like, it's the basic film plot to every film ever, right? It doesn't matter what the topic is. The climax of the story is usually a romantic relationship, right? It, it could be like a zombie apocalypse, but it doesn't matter. Like, but do they love each other, you know? Like, at the end, like, are they going to get together? And so many of us have come to believe that if we don't have that romantic relationship, if we're not dating or if we're not viewed as, as desirable, then we are doomed to live like this half-meaningful life. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, that is a lie. It's a total lie. It's an absolute lie. But that leads to another reason why I think friendships have been undervalued. 
And I think it's because true friendships are rarely experienced. Some of our friendships are so kind of thin and spread far. So how are we supposed to understand our friendships? People have talked about the the different kinds of friends that we could have throughout history, and there there are several categories, and I, I wonder if you could think about your own friendships this morning. The first category is friendships based on usefulness. You care about what you get. Like, oh, I have a friend in my life, they're very useful, they come in very handy when I'm in, like, you know, if I need something done, it's, it's really great, that's a friendship. If that's all that it ever is, it's a friendship built on usefulness. You really care about what you get. But there's another type of friendship, friendships that are built on amusement. You care about the experience. You care about sharing an experience together, and, and these are not necessarily bad things. It's the people that you, you go to matches with, you go to concerts with, you, you, you share life experiences together. But if that's all that it ever is, it's a friendship based on amusement. I had many friendships throughout my life that I didn't realize until a moment of crisis and suffering that they were really friendships only built on usefulness and amusement. But there's another category of friendship that people have talked about for thousands of years, and it's friendships built on virtue. You care about what is good. You you have a vision of something. You have a vision of of what is good. And then you actually help each other live towards that vision. You help each other live in that direction, towards that goal. Well, according to the Bible, there is no greater good than God. And though our friendships are going to vary, they're going to look very different throughout our lives, the deepest friendships of all are centered on him. No wonder that the Bible is just full of incredible friendship stories. And one of the greatest is the story of a friendship between two men, David and Jonathan. King David, many of you would be familiar with from the stories of the Old Testament And what they model for us in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20 is this picture of what I'd like to call this morning spiritual friendship or true friendship, the the deepest kind of friendship. And I want you to think this morning during our, our, our time, I want you to think first, do I have these kinds of friendships? And secondly, how can I build these kinds of friendships. Because let's be clear, friendships have to be discovered. They have to be built over time. Like really great, deep, true friendships, they don't just start. So the awkward thing this morning would be to have everybody stand and turn and be like, hi, will you be my best friend? (laughs) Like that's weird, right? Have you ever had that happen? Maybe you have. You're like, yep, at Summer Madness last year, super awkward. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, hi, will you be my friend? Like, It's just awkward, right? It has to be discovered. Your friendship has to be about something more than the friendship itself. How many of you have ever had a friendship where people were so obsessed about the friendship that it meant nothing else? And they're like, hi, can we hang out? Yeah, sure, let's hang out. What do you want to do? Doesn't matter. Because we're friends. We're just going to sit right here, look at each other, and be friends, right? That's super weird. Don't, Don't do that. Just personal advice. That's... Not advice in the Bible, that's just my advice to you. That's free. You're welcome to use it. Friendship is discovered. Friendships are built, even in the most unlikely ways. And the thing about this friendship, 
between the great and famous King David and this man named Jonathan is that it's a friendship that should never have happened. It's a friendship against which the odds were. They should have been enemies, but God brought them together. See, here's the, here's the backdrop to this story. Israel had a first king, the first king ever. His name was Saul. He started out well, but then he got weird. He became incredibly paranoid. And this king Saul had a son named Jonathan. And of course, as it goes, that son Jonathan was next to take over the throne one day. He was going to be prepared to wear the crown on his head. But there was a plot twist in the story. There was this young man named David. And if you know the story, God would eventually allow David to take the throne of Israel. He conquered the great giant Goliath. And David's name grew in popularity so much so that the the people loved this man, David. And naturally, Saul felt very threatened by David. And much to his own anger, Saul's own son had become friends with David. And Saul absolutely could not stand it. And that's the backdrop to the story. Here's David and here's Jonathan. They became incredible friends, but it never should have happened. But it was in this moment of crisis, I just want to share a few marks of friendship. Because these are so crucial for your life. They've been so crucial in my own life. And the first is this. True friendship is marked by vulnerability. Friends are willing to bear their souls. 1 Samuel chapter 20, let me read this to you. It says, now David fled from Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done, he said. What is my crime, Jonathan? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? That's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. My father always tells me everything that he's going to do, even the little things. I know that my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. And so he has said to himself, I'm not going to tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Now first, just let me know how dramatic this friendship is. It's like basically all of my friendships, because if you can't tell, I'm a little drama. Like here's David, he's like, I'm going to die. And Jonathan's like, never. And just this really dramatic friendship. But what I love about it is they're just willing to bear their souls. There's this incredible vulnerability here. And even though they disagree, Jonathan is still willing to to hear David. And David is still willing to hear out Jonathan because in true friendship, you move beneath the surface. In true friendship, you go beyond the mask. They share freely. And I love that. Because let's be honest. So many of us, and maybe you've even been this way so far this weekend, many of us, we wear the mask. We spend so much time 
managing how we appear to other people that we're not able to share what's really going on. We spend so much time and so much energy trying to cover up the issues that are going on in our lives, the stuff that we really wanna talk about but don't really feel quite comfortable to talk about. And so we just settle and spend so much energy just trying to say, hey, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. How's it going? I'm good. Everything going all right? Yep, it's fine. It's great. I mean, how many of us this morning are spending so much time just wearing the mask, spending so much energy trying to, to manage your appearance? But God wants you to be able to bear your soul. And he wants you to be able to do this without fear. He wants you to be able to do this within community and amongst friends. He created you for friendship. I wonder this morning if, if, if you have that, if you have this, this, this kind of friendship. I'm so thankful for the, for the friends in my life where I feel that have been forged over time, where I feel like I can share anything, where I feel that I can take off the mask. It's when one of the most transformative experiences of my life. And if you don't have that, there are steps you can begin to take towards that. You can begin to ask, even this weekend, you can ask two simple questions to your friends today. What are you finding encouraging? And what are you finding discouraging right now? Those are two really great questions to begin to go a little bit deeper in our friendships. What are you finding encouraging right now? What are you finding discouraging? What are you finding difficulty? In other words, it's not just about talking to each other and saying, how was your day? What happened today? But rather, how did you experience your day? Oh, well, that's a good question because I was really anxious today. I felt a lot of anxiety in my life today. I felt a lot of worry or I've been quite angry today and I just feel like I need to talk about it. God's designed this for this kind of friendship. But it requires two things, this kind of vulnerability. It requires us to be able to listen well and to speak well. And by the way, you need both. Some of us are not good listeners, right? How many of you are just not good listeners? Well, don't raise your hand. Some of you are like, oh, oh, okay. By the way, if I ask you to raise your hand, you gotta be like all in. You can't do any of this, right? That's like the T-Rex thing. Like, ah, like you've gotta go all, all up. My wife constantly tells me that, you know, I'm not the best listener. In fact, my daughter, so I have three daughters, seven-year-old, 12-year-old, and a 15-year-old. My oldest daughter just turned 15 last week. She laughed. She's like, where are you going? It's like, oh, uh, summer madness. It's like a youth thing. And she was like, Pfft. It's like, yeah, great, thanks for the encouragement. Um, she's absolutely um, hilarious. But one night, she was sitting down with my wife and I, and she was bringing up all this really heavy stuff. She was sharing a lot of the struggles that she was facing in school. And normally, I'm the type where I just jump in because I got stuff to say. But it was like this two-hour conversation, and I just tried to like you know, ask questions and all that. And a few hours later, my wife said something to me that I've literally only heard her say like three times in my life. She's like, honey, you listened well. And I was like, oh, that's number three after 18 years of marriage. Like, I am killing it. But that's what it requires, like listening well. One of the things I, I love about this relationship we see between David and Jonathan is they're able to listen well. 
Listen, a willingness to listen is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. But also, when the time comes to be able to speak well, Jonathan and David were able to to tell each other the truth. Jonathan was a bit naive, but David was patient. And notice that David was willing to ask for help. And many of us, we wear the mask and we refuse to ask for help. And I think that's something that God is doing during this weekend that we're spending together, that people are opening up and being willing to like ask for help. But the question is why? Why would I feel safe? Well, that that leads to the second mark. If the first mark of friendship is vulnerability, the second mark of deep and true friendship is loyalty. Friends are committed to the good of the other. In this whole passage, Jonathan says, and makes an incredible statement. In verse 4 of chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, he says, tell me what I can do to help. What a great thing to say. Tell me what I can do to help. And David does something that not many of us are good at. He receives help. He says in verse 8, Show me this loyalty as a sworn friend, for you made a solemn pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father, but please do not betray me. And as the story goes on, David asks Jonathan to find out what his father was really planning at this royal family dinner that was happening shortly. But in doing that, David was aware of the risk He was aware of how it would look if Jonathan, the crown prince, was going to ask his dad on behalf of Saul's sworn enemy about his plans. David was aware of the risk, but the only basis upon which he could make such a request was loyalty. But I want you to notice this was not blind loyalty. This isn't the kind of friendship where you say, hey, I want to do whatever I want to do and I want your permission to do it. Now, I had a lot of friends like that growing up. They never challenged me. They never corrected me. They only affirmed me. And it was one of the worst things that could have ever happened to me because most of the things I wanted to do were stupid. And my friends were like, yeah, like, go for it. Like, in the words of Kim Kardashian, like, you do you. Like, you do your thing, Tim. Do whatever. And that led to all kinds of pain and hurt in my own life. And it's important to notice that because true friends are committed to the good of the other person. You want what is best for your friend. Now the opposite is a fair weather friend. The opposite is a friend who's only there when things are going well, but they disappear when things are not going well. And in that case, those types of friends are only committed to their own good, not to your good. But what we see modeled here and what God wants for us is Friendships that make commitments to the good of the other. Now, I suppose at this point, some of us might think, well, wait a minute, not a lot of people have been friends like this to me. And that may even be a source of bitterness for for some of you, frustration for some of us. I know it has been for me in my life. But let me make this suggestion to you. Instead of complaining all the ways in which your friends haven't been there for you, why don't you begin today to make commitments to them? Instead of waiting for them to take the first step, why don't you take the first step and be a friend to them, be committed to their good? Even in times of trouble. 
because you've all heard it said that troubles really reveal your true friends. True friends come out in times of difficulty and suffering. And we will all face suffering. And some of my conversations with you already this weekend, I just, I'm aware of how much many of you are dealing with. And if you have not yet dealt with great difficulty in your life, it's only a matter of time before you will. And the question is, are we keeping up our friendships in the meantime, in the good times, so that we are prepared for the difficult times? This one man wrote these words, and I'll never forget them. About friendships, he said, through little occasions of helpfulness, we are training for the great trial, should it ever come when the fabric of our friendship will be tested to the very foundation. Which raises a third question, what are our friendships built upon? True and deep friendships are built on vulnerability, loyalty. But thirdly, true friendships are marked by faith. There's a God dependency. You see, part of God's plan for David was this friendship. And one of the ways in which this friendship worked is that they helped each other pay attention to God. In fact, in this chapter, if you read it later, Jonathan gives this long speech to David in verses 11 through 17. And in this speech, the name of God is mentioned nine times. Because it's God that, that bound these two together at the deepest level. It means that their friendship was not just a random fact of life or they liked the same football team or whatever. It was God. He was at the center. And they wanted to know God together. They wanted to show God's love together. In fact, one of the words that Jonathan uses to describe the love that they want to show is loving kindness. The same word used of God's love towards us. Faithful love. Steadfast love. It's what they were showing to each other, but it ultimately comes from God. You see, our friendships need to be built on more than circumstance or preference. God will serve as the foundation for them and the direction for their lives. See, true friends will settle for nothing less than you becoming your future glory self. Do you realize that? God has this incredible plan for you, extending all the way into the future, and true friends, we're helping each other towards that. Some of you began on that journey even last night, and it was incredible. We're helping each other in this wonderful, glorious direction. And there's this moment where Jonathan says, may the Lord be between you and me. And I love that picture. Because it was said by a, really smart person a long time ago, that friendship is really one soul dwelling in two bodies. But in the Bible, the greatest friendships are always three because God is right there in the center. And it has a binding effect on friendships. And it's not just a nice idea, it's showed in action. And that's the last thing that marks true friendship. It's humility. Friends are willing to be second. Friends are willing to sacrifice. You see, Jonathan finally discovers that his paranoid father has indeed planned on killing David. And so it's with a heavy heart that, that Jonathan tells David this news and he helps him escape to safety. And what follows is one of the most memorable departures in the whole Bible. 
Let me read it to you. It says, then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground, and both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. And at last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is witness of a bond between us and our children forever. That was how they said goodbye. And what I want you to see there is there's more than just affection. Jonathan's commitment had a whole nother dimension. It was even political. It was not only an expression of friendship, it was an expression of honor because Jonathan was the next in line to become king. Do you know what this moment means for his friend? He's saying, I honor you so much so that if you become king instead of me, I'm okay with that. Because friends are willing to be second. Jonathan was willing to lay down his own crown and to take aside his robe and lay it down for the good of his friend. But what I want you to see this morning is that this story is but a shadow to an even greater story of friendship. This is the gospel that the greatest crown prince of all, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he entered into our world, not just to be our friend, but our Savior. And in doing so, he laid aside his robe, he, he laid down his crown, and he took the curse for us so that we could be friends with him forever. Jesus is our ultimate friend. He is so committed to your good that he went to the cross for all of our sin. He went to the cross for all of our evil. And because of his sacrifice, because of his commitment, we are brought near in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, he says to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. This is why I've come. And this is astounding to me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, invites you and me into a circle of friendship that exists in God. Because in the gospel, Jesus becomes a friend to you, a friend for you, a friend with you. It's the forever friendship upon which all other friendships are built. So whatever barriers that exist between you and your friends, between you and the people in your church, I just sense this weekend that, that many of you are carrying in your own hearts the failures of friends, the failure of men and women, even in the church. And there's been a temptation for you to grow bitter and to feel so hurt and wounded by that. But Jesus says to you this morning, I am your forever friend, and I will never fail you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when you enter into a friendship with Jesus, all other relationships can be built upon him. And I invite you this morning to make Jesus your first friend. Because every other friend, even in the church, they will let you down, but Jesus will never let you down. Friends that you have, they may not always be there for you, but Jesus will always be there for you. Even when you fail, Jesus will be there. Jesus says to you, if you sin against me a thousand times, I will always forgive you. And I will always love you. Other friends may not be there in times of suffering. Jesus will always be there. He will always be for you and with you. And we can learn to love each other because he has loved us. 
We can learn to become good friends because of his friendship with us. We can love imperfect people because we have a perfect friend in Jesus Christ. He knows what is best. And he's powerful enough to make sure that the best is what will happen in your life. He comforts you. He guides you. He leads you. He hears you. He transforms you. He's the friend that that we never had. The friend that we never deserved. He's the friend that will always be faithful. And this morning, he just wants to remove the mask. And he wants to remove the barrier that lies between you and him and you and other people. And he wants to heal you of loneliness. And he wants to heal you from bitterness. He wants to heal the broken relationships in your life. I'd love to invite us to stand right now and I want to pray for us. If you could all just stand if you're able. And in an attitude of prayer, I would just love to pray for us. And as I do, I want I want you to bring best that you can into your mind and be honest. The broken relationships, the friendships that seem to be hurtful, the friendships that are stressing you out right now. Even the wounds that you've experienced within the church. The times when other people have failed you. And I want you to bring all those into the presence of God because he wants to heal. And before I pray, and as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I just want to give an invitation for you to respond. This is a moment, friends, for us to take off the mask and say, I'm not pretending anymore. I'm not going to manage my appearance anymore. If you want to know that you are forgiven, if you want to make Jesus your first friend, and you want to know that you will be with him forever, and you want to know that you will never be lonely again, I invite you to put your faith in Jesus. If you want to do that now, I invite you to put up your hand nice and high. Put up your hand right now. I see you. God bless you. I see you in the back. God bless you. Do not be afraid. This is the moment that you're saying, I don't want to wear the mask. I see you over to my right. God bless you. Keep those hands nice and high. God bless you. You can put your hand down. And for those of you who have drifted away from Jesus, like you're like, I know, but I know he's my savior, but I've drifted away. And you know this morning, he's calling you back. Jesus is saying to you, I am your greatest friend. And I want nothing but your healing and your good. If you've drifted away and you know that's you, I invite you to just put your hand up right now and just say, Jesus, I want to come back. I see you in the front. God bless you. Just put your hand up nice and high saying, I'm tired. I'm done wearing the mask. I see you. God bless you. Father, I pray for these men and women. I pray that right now, by the power of your spirit, that you would banish loneliness from their hearts and that they would experience your forgiveness, that they would experience your newness, that they would experience your presence, that you are their friend. You are their savior friend and I pray that they would experience that in the most radical way today. 
and that it would change everything about their relationships. Spirit of God, would you do that? And friends, I'm going to invite the band to start. And, and as they play, I'm just going to ask you to do this brave thing that we've been doing. For those of you that have raised your hands to accept Jesus as Savior, friend, for the first time, or for those of you, you know you've drifted away, you know you've put on the mask, but today is the time of just taking that mask. I'm going to invite you to take an extra step. And if you raise your hand, I want you to push your way past the people in the rows, and I invite you to come forward. The prayer ministry is going to be here to my left and also to my right. I invite you to come up. If you raised your hand, come up here. Push your way past the people in the rows. Everyone's cheering you on. Everyone loves you. Everyone is for you, not against you. So I invite you to do that right now. For those of you who have raised your hands, come forward to the men and women here to my right, here to my left. Just say, Jesus, I want you to be my first friend. I want you to heal me of my loneliness. I want you to heal the bitterness in my life. I want you to heal the the distance that has happened between you and me and between me and other people. And we believe that the Spirit of God is going to bring great healing as we do that. And friends, I'm going to invite out Beth and Simon right now. And we're just going to respond to our God who is not only almighty, not only all-powerful, who not only created you, he's your friend. He is your friend. And he wants to speak to you invite him to do that thank you for listening to Word on the Go for more information about the festival or to contact us please visit us at www.summermadness.co.uk forward slash festival or reach out to us across our social media platforms